we are all familiar with the struggle of temptation, right? We've all felt that way. Maybe it's uh, staring at that last piece of cake in the break room or something like that. But you know what temptation feels like. We've also seen that illustration of the shoulder angels, right? You've got this little winged and haloed uh, angel on your right shoulder that's whispering into your ear. And then on the other side, you've got this red horned pitchfork devil uh, on your left shoulder trying to lead you down the wrong path. This first, uh, the first known book to reference this idea of the shoulder angels, these two fictitious beings, was a book called The Shepherds of Hermas, what was written around A.D. 140. So this idea has been around a long time. Uh, it says this, it says there are two angels with a man, one of righteousness and the other of iniquity. These angels in turn descend into a person's heart and attempt to guide a person's emotions. That's just a picture of what we struggle with in our lives between doing what's right and doing what's wrong. In cartoons, the angel is always prudish and nerdy and boring, while the devil is cool, wearing a leather jacket, wisecracking, and confident, right? And the little devil on the left shoulder is always telling the angel, uh, telling you that the angel's just trying to keep you from all of the fun out there. Yeah, the Ten Commandments are just ten ways that you can just be a dud. And it's always trying to lead you down the wrong path. But see, in reality, God's not given us boundaries to make life less exciting, adventurous, or fun. See, the opposite is true. God put boundaries around our marriages and relationships and attitudes to keep us from pain, hurt, and regret. God has your best interest in mind. Hebrews 11.25 tells us that there can be pleasure in sin for a season, but ultimately sin always brings pain. Sin always brings pain. So we're going to take a look this morning in Genesis chapter 3 at the original sin and the effect that it have, had on everything around it. If you'll turn there with me this morning in Genesis chapter 3, we'll be there most of the morning and the first thing that we're going to see is that sin hurts our relationship with God. Genesis 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And then she says, neither shall you touch it, which that was adding on to what God actually said, which is often what we tend to do. God says one thing, and we as humans like to add extra things on top of it. He says, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife 
hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve had absolutely everything that we wished we could have. They had every chance to succeed. We wish that we could just talk to God face to face and have him tell us what to do. We wish that we didn't have to put, uh, go through the pain and consequences of sin. And we wish we would have all of our needs met right away. Adam and Eve had all of that, but sin broke what they had. And in flooded guilt and hurt and regret and sorrow. Sin hurts our relationship with God. Next, in, uh, if you flip over to the next chapter in Genesis chapter 4, we're going to see that sin not only hurts our relationship with God, but sin hurts our relationships with each other. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. There's a promise right there for you single ladies out there. <laughs> and again... She bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, because Abel obeyed what the Lord had said. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you would do well, would you not be accepted? Just do what's right. Do it the way I told you to do it and everything will be fine. There's no reason to be angry at anybody. And if you do not do well, check this out. It says sin is crouching at the door. And sin, its desires are contrary to you. That means what uh, sin is, is trying to hurt you. But you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and Abel and killed him. This is a tragedy. But this tragedy wasn't just that a son and a brother had died. A family was completely torn apart. That day they lost both of their sons. One was murdered and the other was a fugitive and a wanderer for the rest of his life. Sin affects how we relate to the world. Even secret sin. Ultimately, secret sins always find their way to the light. Inward sins of lust and greed that we may think are secret always have a way of working themselves out in our actions and our priorities. Sin not only hurts our relationship with God, but sin hurts our relationships with each other. And lastly, we're going to see in Genesis chapter 3, if you turn back there one more time in verse 16... Sin hurts all life. To the woman, he said, God speaking here, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There were so many consequences to sin 
entering into this world. Sin hurts all life. Thorns and thistles toiling while harvesting. Life is hard. Disease, sorrow, tears, depression. Sin hurts all life. Ultimately, the flood was a repercussion of that very first sin. Every cruelty and atrocity that has ever occurred started right there. It's a result and a ripple of sin throughout the whole entire world. The Bible goes as far to say that the earth groans because of sin and corruption. And that the world is waxing worse and worse. The point this morning is this. Sin brings pain. Sin hurts our relationship with God. Sin hurts our relationships with each other. And sin hurts all life. See, Satan is a liar. And he tells us that sin will be worth it. Satan tells us the lie that sin won't break us. But then after... He tells us that we are too broken for God to love us. He wants to keep us stuck in that cycle so that he can control us. Not only did sin enter the world that day, but so did shame. Adam and Eve covered themselves. And our shame causes us to hide. Because of guilt and shame that we have, we become defensive. And we we like to... uh, protect ourselves and build walls around ourselves instead of just admitting our failures. We saw that in the beginning. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. The serpent had already blamed God. See, every good thing God makes sin distorts. God made the desire to create and work hard, and we distort that through becoming obsessed with money and power and finding our security in things other than Christ. God creates beauty and color and art, and we distort that through becoming vain and covetous. God gave us the gift of sex, and we distort it by using each other and hurting each other. We often think and we begin to believe that God is always just punishing us when we sin, and that is part of it. But God's correction is always geared toward turning us back to himself. God's always working to bring us back home, back to what we had in the garden. And sometimes that means that God lets us have what we want, even when it hurts us, to show us that ultimately he has our best interest in mind. But there's still sometimes the consequences of sin that last long after forgiveness and restoration is finished. My kids have asked me, why did Eve sin? Why did she choose to eat that fruit? And we have a tendency to want to throw Eve under the bus. We like to believe that we would have chosen better. But we eat the fruit too. We eat it when we lie or when we think we're better than someone, when we let our words cut people, when we don't give people the benefit of the doubt, when we make rash statements without all of the information, and we jump on people and attack people, when we hoard our resources instead of being generous. We have the same choice that Eve had, and we have it every day, and we eat the fruit. Our sin destroys everything it touches. But God still made a way to rescue us from sin. Jesus is our rescuer. 
This story of God rescuing us and defeating Satan is played out in every great story of every great hero ever imagined. The knight versus the dragon, the cowboy versus the cattle rustler, the hero saving the woman from the railroad tracks, Batman versus Joker, Luke versus Darth Vader. Jesus is the greatest hero, and every other hero is a dimly lit picture of Jesus. There is no greater love than this, than a man lays down his life for his friend. And Jesus laid down his life for each and every one of us. Many think about uh, the battle of good and evil as yin and yang. You've seen that symbol. These, uh, this circle with equal balances fighting each other. Let's take a test here real quick. You say the opposite. I'll say a word, you say the opposite. See how you do. See whether this reveals any psychological anomalies. Light, good, God, ooh. See, we like to think that way. And if we were to go on the street, everyone we met would probably say Satan. But Satan is not the opposite of God because Satan is not equal to God. Often we give Satan too much credit. He is a created being and a rebellious angel with very limited power compared to God. So really, it's more like Luke versus Jar Jar Binks. Or Batman versus Condiment King. Are you familiar with this uh, villain? Throw that picture up there, Valerie. (laughs) Condiment King is a villain that shoots ketchup and mustard. See, there is no comparison. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other If God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon fashioned against us will stand. And one day, sin will soon be defeated and we'll have nothing between us and God, nothing between us and each other. The earth will be restored. No pain, no tears, no thorns, no travail. God wins. But we can experience that little bit of heaven here on earth right now. By relying on Jesus and avoiding sin and walking closely with our God. God wants that time with you just like he had with Adam and Eve. Walking through the garden. Nothing between us and him. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Not of this world, it's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between Nothing between like worldly pleasures, habits of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all. There's nothing between. Nothing between like pride or station, self or friends shall not intervene. Though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved. There's nothing between. Nothing between even many hard trials, though the whole world against me convene, watching with prayer and much self-denial, I'll triumph at last. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face I may see. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Sin brings pain every time. Sin creates distance between us and God. Sin hurts us, and God does not want that for us. He loves us. So stop kicking against 
God calling you back to him. Surrender those lesser things that you're grasping to. Let go of them because God has something so much better. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the grudges. Let go of all these lists of offenses that you think people have against you and realize that God is better. Let go, let go of those addictions, those habits that we have that hurt us. Let go because God is so much better. God sets up boundaries that we find in his word to keep us from the pain of sin. So stop fighting him. Trust him. Trust that he is good. And trust that he has good plans for you. So what sin are you holding on to today? What sin in yourself are you excusing as a personality trait? What things in God's word are you not doing that you know that you should? You know that you're living in disobedience and you haven't had the faith yet to step out and say, this is what's right. God's word said it and that's enough. I'm going to obey it. Have you trusted God enough yet to believe that he will take care of you and that his way is the best way? He loves you and he's calling you back to himself this morning. His desire is that there will be nothing between you and him. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The altar's open this morning as the band comes. Let's spend some time this morning searching our hearts for anything between us and God. Let's spend some real time in prayer and lay down our burdens. Maybe you're neck deep in guilt and brokenness and pain that sin brings. Come get it right with your Father and let nothing be between you and Him. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Let's spend some real time in prayer this morning, searching our heart for anything between us and God, anything between us and our Christian brother or sister, because anything between us and another is something between us and God. What do you need to get fixed this morning? Really, in reality, all you need to do is trust God that his way is better. Have the faith to say, God, I know this is, doesn't line up with your word. And I'm going to change it because I trust that your way is the best way. Altars open this morning. If you want to come and just lay down your burdens, get some things right, you can pray in your seat as well. Let's spend some real time in prayer this morning.